Welcome to a special PyCon roundtable episode of LocoCast. Rick met up with a few of the folks from the From Python Import Podcast Show and recorded a decompression of the day's events. Let's listen in. Alright, so um, I'm Rick Harding here with LocoCast.net and I'm with the guys from From Python Import Podcast. Boy, that's kind of hard to say. From From Python Import Podcast. Wait, no, that's syntactically incorrect. There's only... Oh, crap. Exception, exception. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, we're here to talk about what's going on with PyCon. And with me, I've got... Mike Crute from Python Import Podcast. Uh, That sounds weird with only one from. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Skopatz from uh, the Insight Podcast. Uh, Terry Peppers, I don't have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Terry, you're quiet, man. you got to talk louder and get closer to the mic. Okay. I am Mike Pierrot. Um, I'm the Cleveland dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really tired. And here you have a podcast now. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, David Sennett from Python Import Podcast. Awesome, guys. So, oh my goodness, I think we're all exhausted. Holy crap, has this. This was my first PyCon, and I'm like all excited and, and geeked, and like by day two, I'm like, I need a nap. Oh, <laughs> it's so tired. Um, what have you guys seen that's just been the most, most awesome thing you guys have seen so far? Tip off. Tip off. Tip off. <laughs> I'm depressed. I, I was scheduled to go to tip off, um, but I've got a coworker that I never see because he's remote in town, and so we're like, we have to like have crash courses for the stuff I've been trying to get, talk to him about over Skype. Do, do tip off and then do that later. Yeah. Yeah, bring him to the tip off. I don't understand that. Right? Yeah, you could have met at the tip off, right? Oh. You could have actually eaten at the tip off. Oh, man. Yeah, so now I'm depressed that I missed it. I, it, it sounds like it was quite awesome. Uh, so I am, this is Terry Peppers, uh, I'm the organizer of the tip-off, uh, so this is the third year of tip-off, and uh, I think last year there were, you know, a lot of the Cleveland guys were there, uh, and I think going into it this year there was some concern that it wouldn't be nearly as epic as it was last year, because last year was epic, uh, but was I think true. this year yeah. we, we topped it in... Uh, <laughs> Many different ways. Yeah, if, the tw- if the Twitter feed is any <laughs> indication, there was definitely epicness going on. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of goats. Uh. <laughs> although, although luckily, luckily this year, uh, Gary Bernhardt was not forced to enact the part of the goat. That's correct. So right. that's uh, probably a win for him. Was this, was this a like a loss for our Flickr stream. <laughs> right. Yeah, a loss for the Flickr stream. Oh, no. Mike is making reference to the 2010 tip-off where Mike had no slides and actually needed a goat, so asked Gary Bernhardt to uh, I asked help. for a volunteer, and he did volunteer. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. And did an admirable uh, job. He brought it on himself. <laughs> he held very still. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, the <laughs> topics covered last night were kind of all over the place, right? Like uh, Another mock library? There, there, were, <laughs> there were DSLs. Yeah, there were DSLs. Oh, and there were some DSLs. Uh, and then there were some more DSLs, right? And then there was uh, this mock library, and how about this mock library? <laughs> and then, oh, let's do a comparison of all the mock libraries. Uh, so was the, there the, any convincing reason to not just use mock? I, I think it depends because on who is a you cooler name. I think it depends <laughs> on who you ask, right? Like, I think Gary Bernhard would say use Dingus. Right. I think Michael Ford would say use mock. But was it, were there actual, like, reasons involved, or was it was it more just, like... I am awesome, therefore use my tool. I think the funniest thing about the mocking libraries was is that Kumar McMillan, who's the author of Fudge, is kind of the outlier in all of those situations, which is 90% of the room either uses mock or dinkus, right? And then there's this small percentage 
mainly Kumar, uh, and some of the guys that I work with that use Fudge. Oh, so he's like the Apple of uh, mock libraries, you know, 10% and we rule. Uh, it's really more like the BIOS, I would say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really not even Apple, it's more like BIOS. Okay. Harsh. What else went on uh, besides the mock libraries? Um, I showed a place in some production code that I'd sanitized slash uh, filled with expletives for public consumption. Uh, <laughs> well, if you, if you using, sanitized it, it would suck a lot less. Yeah, it, this is true. Well, it did. I, I carved out whole huge chunks and replaced them with do this crappy thing kind of kind of stuff. But uh, show, showed using mock to actually take control of some output of something that was tied into some horrible globals and like basically uh, saved me from a huge deadline. And it was so egregiously, horrifically awful that at a party last night, uh, Titus Brown came over to me and uh, was, was very clear about exactly how horrified he'd been and that I could never pay him enough to work in our code base and that oh, this no. was the, quote, kind of shit that my grad students would write oh. and, 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 that, and that he was personally offended. Uh, I told him, oh, great, my work here is done. So, <laughs> Leaving an impression with the uh, important folks, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Well, we've also caused Gary physical pain by seeing our code base. Uh, is that <laughs> hard? I mean, I mean, does anyone our code have code base? that no. would not cause Gary physical pain? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think we've all got some a, a suite of tests that would cause him to keel over. Um, that's a good segue, though. The other thing that happened last night, where, the, where there was a small contingent of uh, science haters, academics, of um, so there are a few of us who got up and described how bad testing is in the academic environment. Who was the guy who said, like, it took him 13 years to get his oh, PhD? Oh, Brett. Brett, Brett. Yeah. 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 Core committer. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think it's very, very scary when I think about when I went through college, I hated programming. And then I went into sysadmin and got back into programming like, because it was fun when I actually did it in the real world. And it is scary how different your programming classes are in college and going through school than what you actually are, should or are supposed to do like in your career, like at a job. When you get into things like testing and integration, uh, you know, uh, continuous integration and just all everything that you're supposed to do, you, you you don't do any of that stuff in college. It seems like it's actually rather rather frightening. Well, it's hard to appreciate any of that stuff until you've been really been hurt by the fact that you didn't do any of it. <laughs> Like the first piece of code you try to refactor and then break because you had no tests and actually you didn't really understand what it was doing anyhow, makes you appreciate the fact that you want to write tests in the future. But I think that's what's interesting. Uh, maybe that the experiential element of academia or the lack of an experiential kind of uh, curriculum in academia uh, is what prevents academics from really kind of understanding why you need things like that, right? Like, I think we were all gung-ho for a lot of years, at least in the 90s, where you weren't doing any testing, you weren't doing any code reviews, you weren't doing continuous Dude, integration. I'm still trying to push testing through work, so I'm in the 90s, what are you talking about? But, uh, you know, you learn to do those things more when you really get burned by it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the important thing. Well, but but is it possible that, that in academia, like you're you're setting up a whole big suite of stuff to solve a problem, and then once you've solved your problem, you're just throwing it away and moving on? Um, I mean that that's possible, but uh, you know if you're gonna try to do any like science behind that, and I mean th there's a famous case right where this one guy he published several papers based on his code base, 
um, you know, discovered um, something new. So at that point, it was a proof of your your experiment, right? Well, you would you would think, but there was a minus sign error in his code, and he had to retract four papers from places like Nature and Science. Oh, and things. oh. So because he didn't have tests, like just See, uh, that's like, actually that qualified as a burn. I think that would last. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, that's a good point. If you're if you're if you're publishing your te or your code to back these papers. You probably do want to have tests because it's a lot of work to go through and like the peer review process and yeah. Well, not okay. that they would ever look at your code, but <laughs> they should. Well, you think they'd at least run it, right? And oh no. Oh, it, you're just giving them the results that you generated. It's very unscientific. How? Okay, that 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 opens up a whole new world of like, oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> don't you have so much faith in academia now? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> and it's the sausage factory. You just don't want to know how it really works. Right. You exactly. don't want to look inside, or you're going to walk away depressed. Just give uh, me the hot dog. <laughs> so tip off. What else? Uh, anything else out of tip off, or should we move on to interesting talks or side conversations? Or I can't, I can't remember much. Yeah. <laughs> so for 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 future time traveling people that may uncover this millions of years from now, uh, somebody was really really brilliant and scheduled PyCon to overlap with the daylight savings change. So we are all exquisitely tired. Yeah, we probably should have had this recording yesterday. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Pre-daylight pre savings change. Glenn Fittich from a MongoDB mug is awesome. Is it web scale? I learned that at the tip off. Is your, is your MongoDB mug web scale? What's uh, the 64-bit install or the 32-bit? Because you only get half a cup if it's the 32-bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 32-bit install. I'm disappointed. Does it, does it well, I couldn't reliably hold enough scotch in it, though, because you need two mugs for that. Right. You can scale to four instances, at least. <laughs> does, does, this, does your uh, ceramic mug support sharding? <laughs> it, it was slightly sharded by the end of the night. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my liver actually doesn't scale proportionally to MongoDB. So oh. <laughs> There's gotta be some way we can outsource that or, or something. Crowdsource that. <laughs> right, that was a great, so that was a what, one more tip-off talk, right? That was uh, Armin from the Verxoig and Flask frameworks. Uh, he did an excellent uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek talk about uh, doing website monitoring by just monitoring Twitter, right? Uh, so he runs a site called uh, Poku, uh, and basically he says, well, how we monitor is we just kind of search Twitter and see if Poku's down ever. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. I thought that one was really oh, good. We so. actually do a similar thing for monitoring uh, if uh, Facebook is having problems or not. So they, you know, a lot of times we'll come in on like a Wednesday morning and everything Facebook related will be broken that we're dealing with. And because uh, they have a release schedule where they push stuff on Tuesday and it usually catches us after. Um, because of the time zone difference, it usually catches us after we've all gone home. So Wednesday morning, business owners are upset. And, oh my God, why did, what did you guys do to the site? Ah, Facebook. Rah, rah, rah. Uh, so you know, one of the first things we ask is, is it a Wednesday? Uh, yeah, okay, probably. Uh, things are broken. And then um, if if it's just intermittently weird, you can you know go ask the Google real time news thing and just search like Facebook down. And if a lot of people are complaining about it, then. Yes. Yes, it is. We could probably we use Tweepy to write a Nagios check for Facebook. Yeah, I think, based we, on I that think data. we should. No, we should. We should. We should be patching into that. What is that website? The is it down or just me? Yeah. Right. They should have like a live Twitter stream going through of like sites that matches like a regex of like a, a site yeah. and is down or something going by. So you hit the landing page and see if your site's in the the, the feed on the front page. Man, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. That would be cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So but the the one thing that's funny about the the Paku is Paku down. 
uh, thing last night was immediately the entire room starts tweeting. It's Paku Dog. Shit. Is it down? Oh, so that explains a lot. That's someone who was not there. I see a bunch of people talking about is it down or not, and I was like, really at this point, really, are we caring? Oh wow. Just to piss Armin off. That explains. It's that kind of thing. So it's it's sort of a mix of like uh, the Muppet Show and uh, Jane Silent Bob. And uh, with uh, Steve Holden involved, a little bit of like sort of the William Shatner roast. Yes. And yet somehow strangely educational. Yes, it's a a, a brilliant and amazing time. I'm glad glad that PyCon has and it. Now I'm even more depressed that I didn't make that. Let's talk about stuff that <laughs> other people might have made. Uh, Depressing. Um, best talk, anyone? I, I I would have to go with uh, the man I'm sitting next to. Oh Mike no, please! Talk, uh, exhibition in atrocity. Uh, I was telling him yesterday uh, that the room was totally packed, uh, and it was an excellent talk that got great reception, and it uh, taught a lot of lessons uh, with real production code. Uh, and it's those kind of talks that I think uh, are the best. So I, I'm going to give it up to Mike. Aww. How many, how many face palms were there for each example? <laughs> you know, you don't need reviews. You see the face palm. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know your talk was good if you, you reach a certain threshold. Yeah. So the, the weirdest thing about giving a talk at at PyCon was uh, how much the world has changed in the last three years in terms of the back channel and the immediacy of it. Um, I at least had the presence of mind to put my phone on mute, but I'd failed to turn off push notifications to my Twitter client. So while I'm up giving my talk, oh no. my pocket starts going like crazy <laughs> with all these incoming uh, mentions and follow notifications. It was a bizarre experience. Wow. So you, you didn't just like put it up on the podium to kind of watch as it goes by? I, I didn't have the presence of mind. I was too focused on just like, oh my god, I've got to give this talk and I've got to get through this. So I'm curious because there has been a, a big real-time push. There's the service convoy that a lot of people have been using as a back channel versus IRC and things. Uh, it's, which, if you don't know, it's Convore.com. It's a web-based service. It's it's like a cross between web forums and IRC and um, I don't know everything really. Yeah, it's it's like Twitter and IRC and one but with cool, like chat rooms. Very topical. Yeah. And so yeah. there was like a thread for every talk that you would go in and jump into, and people were discussing the talk. And and what was awesome was that you know links would come by and people would be throwing links into the Convore channels or whatnot. And I'm curious as a speaker. I'm tempted to have like you know we want to get like a tablet just to kind of prod up next to me while I'm speaking and see if you could actually like give your talk while following going by. I wonder if you could do like the real time adjustments. You could put it below your slides and then have yeah, it yeah, in front of everyone. That was I mean, dangerous. Obviously, having it up front would be probably a bad idea just because you have always the one guy in the group who's yeah. more than happy to um, you know go well, see the talk. A couple um, years ago, uh, Ian Vicking had the PyCon IRC room. Right underneath his slides, uh -huh. like up on the up on the board where everybody could see it, and it was fun. And then it got really out of control. Yeah. Um, I think what's been really nice about Convore is it feels like it's a little less anonymous. You know, knowing that yeah. it gets archived mm -hmm. and logged, people are, I think, for the most part, being a little more respectful. Um, so and with the people, you, you tend to know, you know, I mean, you, you're you're using the same login throughout the whole time. You, Run into yeah. people in different threads and different talks throughout the whole conference. You kind of, you know, oh, I, I know that guy and I know who that guy is now. And stuff. Yeah, and your picture's so. next to it too. So, uh, well, I mean, your your avatar, choice of picture, right? I've seen some dancing hearts and stuff. I'm not sure it's everyone's picture, but yeah. Um, well, but no, no that guy actually is a dancing heart. So. Oh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> totally missed it. 
So that's, that's been kind of interesting to kind of follow that stuff uh, as, as things go by. It's cool because you can kind of ask questions that are on topic. I know um, in the Couch TV talk, I actually went in having a couple of questions that I could be, you know, while the talk was going on, hey, does anyone tried this or, you know, a little bit beyond that, you can actually get a little bit more out of the talk from the audience than just what the, you know, because they're presented, they're 30-minute talks. So I've got to say, my first time at PyCon, I, I have been kind of uh, disappointed just in the fact that I think the talks are so short that you don't have time to really give out like the a lot of the super nuggets and that you know they tend to be well they're more, more of a teaser right yeah because yeah. Zed's talk on uh, zero MQ yeah. was far far too short because but but it really gets you into like hey this is this is really awesome you should try <coughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> 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 you, you okay over there man oh better now. <laughs> So uh, dead, Jeff. I'm actually part of the Python program committee, right. and one of the very common pieces of feedback that we get every year is, is that people want longer talks and more extreme talks. So what the organizing committee constantly struggles with every year right, is trying to strike a very good balance between how do we get uh, a very good diversity associated with uh, the talks that we're accepting, uh, just kind of topical diversity, right? But right. then on top of that, you know, you have PyCon, this is the largest PyCon ever, and uh, what's strange is, is that, you know, Van normally has people raise their hands, uh, how many, how many is this their first PyCon, right? Or how many people have been using Python for less than a year? Um, and you actually have a very large uh, beginner contingent. So yeah. you have to strike that balance, right, between, right, like, Deep dives, right? Which is what the whole extreme track was for yeah. this year. Right? How that? How's that? What's the feedback been on that? Yeah, and I that's went to a bunch of extreme talks, and um, it sounds like Zed Charles was a good extreme talk. Yeah, uh, I went to the profiling memory one. The uh, dude where's my memory? I thought that was a, a good extreme. Yeah, I wanted talk. to go to that. It was in my time slot, so I couldn't. Oh, you know, that was one, one of the better. But I've also um, a couple of the other extreme talks. Uh, I know I kind of walked out of going. Well, it wasn't really all that extreme. Stream. Well, um, so that's a good point, right? The, the program committee takes a risk whenever they say you can come present, right? And you don't want to give someone an hour and a half if they suck. Oh, right, it, right, it, right. Was, it was new. So, I mean, the extreme yeah. talk. This was the first time trying that. I'm, I'm just curious with the fee how the feedback's better on that. You know, I can I, tell you, it's it, for a couple of talks. It's been awesome. I, I, I love the idea. Yeah, the, the you know the general concept behind the extreme track is instead of someone wasting five to seven minutes, which in a 30-minute talk is a lot oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. on just kind of, okay, well, this is a socket. This is, uh, you know, this is what I mean when I'm doing asynchronous I.O. Uh, just by allowing them to get away from that stuff and say, okay, we're going to jump in, right, and we're going to start talking 0MQ right now. Right. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know how extreme they were. Right. So they, they kind of seem to be all over the board, right? Some of them were really extreme. We're gonna we're gonna dig into VM internals, and um, some were a little bit uh, a little bit higher level than that. But it, it, the extreme talks, though, seem pretty well balanced to the ones that I've seen. It's, I think it's a great idea. I definitely hope they continue that going forward. I know yeah. um, it, it is nice to get that mix of you know jumping over your head and, and you know see some. Some of the cool parts, because you know, in a thirty-minute talk, um, I know like the um, the coroutines talk was kind of that way, where you know I went in looking for coroutines, but it was a great talk because he was like, all right, first let's do this with just you know CGI script. Now let's do it mod whiskey. Now let's do it with twisted. Now let's do it with um, you know G event and and doing coroutines. So it was great that the talk was very well balanced, and as someone who's like making a decision, you want to see all that. However, 
on the one hand, like I don't even know code routines. I wanted to jump in and like, all right, boom, here's this code routine. Here's it's badass. It's awesome. You should be doing it. You know, go go go. You know, and so um, I, I think that, that that's a good space for that as well as extreme talks like that. So it'll be cool to see how that goes going forward. <coughs> um, anybody else? Awesome talk that you saw. Uh. The superboard talk was pretty fun, yeah. actually. Oh, like, and I you, can't you, wait to video of that. I was there, and it was so epic. I can't wait to see it again. It was, wow. it was great. Really? Yeah. So I saw Beasley talk last year on the Gill, and which then was I, awesome. Which was awesome. And then he yeah. gave the keynote at SciPyCon, which was on concurrency in back in June or, July oh, or something. Yeah. And I didn't think he would be able to top the Gill talk with that, but he did. And then I didn't think he'd be able to top. The concurrency talk and this one just like blew it out of the water. So yeah, what, that what, was, it was everyone doesn't know like what is superboard. Okay, so a superboard <laughs> is this really old like nineteen seventy eight. I think nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy seven like doorstop of a computer and it looks like an organ basically. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> and um, you know it has like audio jacks in and out. Yeah, and that's, that's how you that's, get, and that's how you control it. Oh, um, yeah, because because its storage mechanism was uh, a cassette recorder, right? Tape. Right, tape. And so, so okay, so I, I saw a lot of the tweets and stuff, but I, I yeah. thought the audio thing was just like that was the fun part of it. Was yeah, so audio, but that's that's no, no. The fun part was building a cloud service for this thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, so but I, I honestly, I, I you know, the, the first big win was the audio. Like, how do you get this talking to your machine? You know, how what, you know how do you build the network interface for it? And you know, <laughs> showing what does uh, a one and a zero look like? And you know, he made you know pre-made these audio samples and was having Python. Bring out zeros and ones to this thing to be able to talk to it, yeah, and, and people then parse it on the other. You know, coming back in from it because it, it spits those noises back out so it can uh, talk to the the other stuff. So what was the yeah. cloud side? Well, he, so he did, did a lot once, of stuff. Yeah, once once you've got it where it can talk out to the rest of the world, then you can start plugging it into all kinds of things. Uh, right. So he built this. He built a mechanism where it could share memory with his Apple laptop or his his, his MacBook or whatever, right. um, and then he built a, an emulator for it in on the Mac, and, th and that's what he eventually sent out to the cloud. Actually, so you could control from any emulator back to wow. the shared memories thing, and you know pipe that right directly into this old machine or whatever. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was it was neat, and I think one of the requirements was he had to be able to use the keyboard from the from the old superboard, type stuff on the screen there, and have it actually go out to the cloud and do stuff. Right. So tweet from a superboard. Everything from a superboard. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, so and he's been uh, he's been tweeting uh, on behalf of the superboard throughout the conference, and it's been <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> go go back and follow it while while Twitter still has it in there. Well, didn't the superboard go to South by Southwest? Did, oh, okay. oh yeah, it went to South by Southwest apparently. Wow. Uh, we should mention um, while recording this, the 2011 videos have uh, are starting to make their way up to uh, pycon.blip.tv. Um, they're not all up there yet, but they're starting to get up there. So it sounds like that is definitely one if you missed it to go hit up and check out. By the time you hear this, by the time we get this recording and stuff out, I'm sure that most of them will be up. I mean, they are. That is like epic fast. That yeah, fact Hillary Mason's keynotes up, up there already and all that. That's Carl and his team rocks. Yeah, so. yeah. I think Carl, <laughs> Carl, and his team, yeah. Carl and his team have made uh, such massive uh, improvements since 2008 when they first started recording. Uh, if, if anyone remembers 2007 in Dallas, it was all audio recordings, so there was no video. 
Uh, and then 2008 was the first time that they actually did uh, video recordings, uh, and it took a while, right, to get those videos up online. But in 2009, they got up quicker. In 2010, they got up really quick, right? And now we're seeing uh, that you know you're getting all the real good ones up like immediately. It's, it's insane. I mean, we're a few guys sitting here doing a recording on a podcast. It's going to take three days to get out and and up in an MP3 format with no video. The fact that they've got like you know five tracks of talks, and then within you know two days they're starting to get up and uh, it's amazing so mad props to those guys and I know as someone who has come in my first PyCon I have lived on those videos for the previous years watching some of the awesome talks and stuff so that's a service that you just can't get enough credit for for the Python community as a whole it's sweet yeah, even, even if you do manage to make it to PyCon the choice of which talks you're going to go oh. to is damnably difficult. I've like, got a video in, list a mile long already. Yeah, in, in every single time slot, there were at least two things I wanted to see, if not four or five. And it's it's just brutal trying to make those choices. Well, that's what's nice, though, is you can feel good going, all right, even if I go to this talk, I'm still going to watch that one by the end of the week, which is right. just... Yeah. I, think, I, I think that absolutely makes your choices a lot easier. What I end up doing a lot of these days now is uh, I'll go to half the first half of one talk that I want to go to and then the last half of the next talk it basically go back and watch both videos but how's that work out for you because I've kind of thought about jumping but I always I feel like I, you know I, I couldn't you know get into another talk it's not for everyone but jumping allows me to see uh, all the different people right maybe catch a hallway track or two uh, so gotcha hmm. the I problem do. with just watching is you don't get the experience right like when you went to Mike's talk it was hysterical. Right. I mean, you, you felt energy in the room, right? So when you're watching on video, you might laugh, but it's just not the same as, as actually being there. Well, yeah, that I was going to make that point. The thing that you miss by not actually being in the room. Like, and the only thing you miss is being able to jump on Convor and, like, right. you know. Convor. But I have, I have right. used that to follow talks I couldn't be in when there was multiple at the same time. Yeah. I'd be in one talk, and I'd have Convor of another talk going to kind of get a, get a little bit of a feel of what was going on and stuff, you know? Right. So that, that's been really interesting. Although, I have to say, um, I forget who it was that made the point. I, it might have even been Titus or something that was like, if you want to truly enjoy PyCon, close your laptop mm -hmm. and, and pay attention. And oh. I, I caught myself changing over to that halfway through the conference, where I was, initially I'd be on Convor and I'd be typing my notes and all that. And I went to pencil and paper and leaving the laptop off and in the bag. And I did find that I was getting more out of those talks uh, by doing that. Um, although, I did feel that edge to, you know, to you know, I don't know, not, not communicate, but, but be so, plugged in to socialize. Yeah, right. because it was it, it, it was cool to see the other people's feedback and stuff in the live streams of things, the the Twitter feeds and that. So I ended up doing a little bit of a balance of trying to get the you know the Convor app on the phone uh, while doing my hand notes and stuff, but still trying to keep the laptop closed and put away was definitely uh, it's a different experience. You should definitely oh, yeah. try that out uh, going both ways for sure. Um, all right, so that was talks. How about the? You know what? I was floored at how awesome the boff sessions and the sidetrack stuff going on in the open space rooms and things they were competing full bore with talks that i wanted to go to um i, I mean i know well I, which boffs did you end up going to um i ended up going to uh an open stack boff i went to a lot of them at night and, and so i didn't end up going to some that i wanted to go to because of other other things going on i, I know i wanted to go to the continuous deployment one but it was like right at six o'clock um and that you know it, it was just, it was tough to make all the stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the talks ended up having boffs afterwards where you would have loved to, maybe you didn't get all the detail of the talk, but you wanted to go to the boff afterwards. But 
I mean, the board out there has been packed from, you know, from 5 p.m. straight to 10 p.m. Yeah. Every single night and all the rooms. I mean, there's like, what, six or seven different boff rooms out here. And the board was just packed. We were trying to schedule this recording. And it was like, how about we do this time slot? And it was like, no, 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 no. There's something going on at that slot. Like, all right, well, the only other slot is this on Sunday. No, 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 no. We can't do that. We can't do that. All right, we're going to be like at the last slot of the last day of the last thing trying to just squeeze this thing in because there's just too much. Complete immersion. <laughs> yeah, if, oh, it, if there's anything that I don't like about PyCon, it's that it has made me regret not evolving into a being of pure energy <laughs> <laughs> beyond the need for biological imperatives like food and sleep. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't get dinner till, uh real late yesterday. It was like, well, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this, and eventually like, I must consume food like at some point. I think yeah. that's one of the real big draws of it, though, right? Is yeah. is that there's so many oh, yeah. different tracks that you can do, right? So there's there's so much coverage in just the the traditional talks. There's so much going on in the hallways, just talking to people, uh, you know, maintainers of packages you use, uh, you know, people you've met from other, uh, you know, PyCons, uh, and then the boffs are great if, you know, you want to get, uh, you know, just kind of meet like-minded people about and talk about topics that you're really interested in. That's what I think is awesome. Yeah, about if you haven't been, we want to push that. How open everyone is at this. My roommate, I was laughing at him because every day his goal was to eat a meal with pe different people. And so what he would do is he'd go to Twitter and go, you know, hashtag PyCon. I'm looking for different people to have lunch with. Who's available? And people would reply back, hey, come join us. You know, and like dinner last night, he's like, I'm looking for people to have dinner with. Who's available? And you know, he'd get replies back, and he'd meet up with his group, and end up going out downtown having dinner with people that he had no idea who they were. Um, I thought that was just an impressive uh, example of the, the community just like hang out with people you don't normally hang out with and see and learn and, and really cool, interesting, different things, you know. Yeah, and on that note, right, there was a convoy thread about uh, rooms, like people who just needed rooms or had rooms available would, would offer them. I did that last year, actually. I just came, had no plan, like nowhere to stay, and like had a couple friends who I knew I could crash on their floor if I needed to. But eventually I just met someone new and like he had an extra bed in his room. And so, That's awesome. Which was That's definitely a good way to go. I tried that two years ago and, and now every conference I always just end up getting a double room and like, hey, you know, some somebody can room with you. Yeah. But it, it is kind of a cool way to go and it's also cheaper, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a win all around. So I do a user room besides, you know, I, I kind of thought I was gonna get all this like hacking and stuff done and I, I, I'm really motivated. I want to build something now after the conference, but I have no time to sit and write code right now. I'm like, come on sprints, come on sprints, I'm itching to write some freaking code. Yeah. Um, but because the, the program's so packed, you, you're just like, oh, I have to go to this, I have to go to that, I have to go to that, you know? So, uh, Your room's I mean, just for passing out. I, I mean, seriously, yeah. my, you don't really use it more than that. No, my room is, is a charging station for my laptop overnight while I sleep. That's really its only yeah. goal. It's for, it's for everything to recharge, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And take a shower. That's basically it. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, everyone, yes, we must take shower, definitely. Yeah. One, one thing that I miss from the PyCons that were in Dallas was the, uh, the lobby setup, where in Dallas there were like, you know, little nooks of chairs and couches arranged in, in you know, semicircular formations or circular formations, and you literally have geeks with laptops on every horizontal surface of the lobby all hanging out because the Wi-Fi was terrible and you had to pay a zillion dollars for stuff up in the in your rooms. And so people were just out all night long hacking on code and talking and jamming on stuff, you know, cranking out cool projects till all hours of the night. And the lobby here in Atlanta is kind of this barren wasteland. There's like a weird sculpture thing that reminds me of the warp core from Star Trek because it's like 
three stories tall and goes through a hole in the ground. Or Wicker Man. Or Wicker Man. Yeah, it's like a weird combination of, of like Warp Core and Wicker Man. Uh, but it, like, there's only a few chairs, and they all face sort of outward into this vast empty space, and that's well, kind of sad. Go down to the uh, the ballrooms, yeah. although although it seemed this year that nobody was really down there. Yeah, well, there's also not a lot of comfy chairs either. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm looking for the comfy chair social experience, not the, right. like, sit-in conference chairs or hotel conference chairs for another two hours and destroy my back kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, so. that's a good call. You, you do end up regretting the whole conference chair thing. But it is, it is the, I mean, the Wi-Fi is great. There's yeah, the wire, place to plug in. I mean, yeah, the network a, is super solid. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had it bottle me a couple of times, but for the most part, it's been awesome. And... The hotel Wi-Fi has been awful, so I've actually come down to the ballrooms at night to uh, to work on stuff just because I can I can get good Wi-Fi doing that. So, so I'm going to troll the podcast and say the only people dun, 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 dun. who've had Wi-Fi problems are the ones not using Macs. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! And as the as the Linux user in the room here, I will fight back and go. Has anyone noticed how a lot of the Macs have had presentation problems on the yeah. display projectors? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, you noticed that as well. Okay, I just wanted to see if I was imagining anything. That's, that's more crashed. Like, up yeah. in front of everybody, literally just crashed like a Windows machine. I, I love, I forget who it was yesterday morning, who was like, um, normally I love my Mac because it just works. And no, while it's like going to crashing to hell on them, you know, it's like, ooh. Um, but yeah. So. Hey, but we can get on the Wi-Fi. So. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Once once we once we reboot, we can get on the Wi-Fi. So okay, Linux and Mac we need to work together as a team to get full functional operating <laughs> systems. Um, anything else that we should bring up? I don't know. Are you guys coming in for a? Was there something after this? No. Okay, I was making sure we weren't getting kicked out because we're approaching. The, we can the switch people if we want. I mean, yeah. Anybody yeah, 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 interesting? Up. Yeah. Share with the people what was yeah. awesome about uh, PyCon. Oh, wait, we're getting waved off. People are like, no, no, no. Look, there's no camera. We won't, we won't put anybody's faces on. Yeah. I actually just wanted to mention one talk that I had seen. Definitely. Uh, by the way, my name's Matt Giberman. I have the dubious honor of working with both Mike's and Dave Stanick. So, uh, anyway, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I went to the uh, genetic programming talk uh, by Eric Fleur. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's right here. Right okay. Can you oh. pick him out of a lineup? <laughs> no, I couldn't. I was actually sitting very far back. Which was, well, it was a very good talk, Eric, by the you've way. Been, you've been brought up. <laughs> there you go. You've been called out. All right. Thank you. So my question is, uh, is this the talk that you gave at uh, Pi Ohio last uh, year? Plus. Plus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I went to it. I wasn't able to catch it at uh, Pi Ohio. As a matter of fact, like almost everybody I was went down there with went to the genetic programming talk and... I wanted to go to um, Jeff Armstrong's talk, and actually he's giving his talk today, and I have to miss it because my flight leaves early, but... Um, well, what talk is that? Uh, well, at Pi Ohio, it was using Python to uh, do numerical simulations. Oh, okay. And, um, <clears throat> but I think he, I spoke with him last night, he says he's toning down the Python part of it because of his work. They told him, he said, you know, why are you, why are you talking about code? You should be talking about your, your work. But anyway, the uh, genetic program, that was really, uh, fantastically interesting to me. And, so, uh, what was it like? Because I totally missed it. I in another talk, but it sounded interesting. So, what's the rundown? Come yeah, on, Eric. yeah. Give, All right, give so your talk. Let's see. <laughs> you, go. you do a thirty-second capsule. <laughs> so, so, the rundown is, and and actually, before I start, um, 
You know, you mentioned about the laptops. Actually, unfortunately, uh, my presentation, the, there was a projector problem. So having people having laptops and being able to download the presentation actually worked great in that case, you know, because uh, otherwise I don't think they would have been able to see a lot of the, the code. But um, so in a nutshell, uh, basically it's evolving uh, algorithms or uh, programs uh, to uh, reach some sort of uh, uh, solution to a problem. Um, you know, Hillary Mason in her keynote mentioned uh, like the Evo Lisa, um, so I had to hack uh, Evo Guido, um, <laughs> which is, uh, it's not in a very good state yet, but I'm planning to hack on it uh, uh, today, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get it to actually evolve Guido here. It's kind of a cool <laughs> idea that the, you, you, you have a program that you, you know, has a certain output, and then it sounds like you basically check it against what is a known good output and mm -hmm. go, did this program reach closer or further away yes. from the correct output? And then it does small tweaks to try to reach reach that goal. Yeah, and those tweaks are the same tweaks that you know nature uses to evolve you know species. You know, you have um, mating basically with crossover, and you have mutation. You know, which happens during you know cell replication or cosmic rays. Um, uh, and you have you take both of those and you evolve a population just like what happens in nature. Very cool. So are, are you actually then generating new programs, or is it just tweaking parameters on an existing program every evolution? Um, well, you know, there's an initial random population, and you can insert, you know, new members that are completely, you know, randomized from scratch. Um, other than that, you know, you create new individuals when you mate, right? You know, you combine two individuals, and parts of one individual become you know, the new individual parts of the other individual become, become that, so. But, but what, is, what is that mating? I mean, how does that manifest itself in, like, Python? What, what are you doing there? Are you actually creating, are you creating new code from that, or? Yeah, so a genetic program is kind of think of a Lisp tree, you know, a, a, it's a, a, a program tree. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, but a lot of times it is. And so the nodes on the tree are, are operators, like, plus or minus or absolute value or whatever. And then the inputs are subtrees. And okay. you basically just evaluate and, and you know, you have terminals that are numbers or variables or whatever. And you just evaluate and come up with some, some oh, So value. it's basically like a parse tree then. It is, yeah. I mean, th think of a Lisp program, right? It, you know, it's just a, it's, it's very similar to that. And PyEvolve, which is the library that I use, actually takes that that tree and turns it into Python code. You write your operators in Python, and it sucks, uh, you know, variables from the from the uh, you know from the, the scope of the fitness function, mm -hmm. and it plugs it into the, the program. runs runs Python uh, to evaluate your program. So that sounds yeah. like a fascinating way to solve a problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It actually is. Well, it's, it's, what's interesting it's it's strange because you're comparing against a known correct answer, right? And and most stuff you, you tend to be trying to find the correct answer to, to, to generate it. So it's kind of interesting that you, you you know the answer you're trying to work on how to get it, and then what do you do? Then reuse it for other problems of similar na um, nature. Yeah. As yeah. I mean, then, uh, once you're like, oh, I know that this path is the correct path to, to, for this use case. Now I'll try another case, and hopefully the same set of uh, work is is the same again. Yep. I mean, as long as you know what a good solution is, you, you may not be able to derive a good solution yourself. But as long as you can determine what a good solution is, in the case of Evo Lisa or Evo Guido, it's you're you're trying to take a set of polygons 
and have it look like a picture that you've given it. Um, and so you know you have that picture, that's your reference, right? And you're trying to evolve this, this painting made of just, you know, 30, 40, 50 polygons to evolve into a picture that looks like a good representation of the Mona Lisa or, uh, you know, Guido Van Rossum. Very interesting stuff. So that is a video to make sure you check out on the PyCon video stream for sure. Thank you. Anybody else? There, I just want to do a shout out for um, the Japan Relief Fund that's associated oh, with, with uh, PyCon this year. Yeah. Um, so if you text uh, Red Cross to the number 90999, um, you'll donate $10 to the Red Cross for uh, Japan Relief. And then if you go ahead and tweet um, with the hashtag Py PyCon Cares, uh, we're trying to beat out the, the same number of uh, do same monetary donation that South by Southwest is having. So it's, uh, we have a big contest, South by Southwest and PyCon. Yeah. Happening at the same time has been uh, a little bit of a. It's, it's funny watching the Twitter feeds go by of the people that are. I wish I would have went to the other one, or I wish that I could be at both, or, or it's it's been kind of an interesting tie-in. Yeah. And there's also what like Penny Arcade going on this weekend too, but. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah there's Paxis. Yeah, going on too. but I'm 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 really glad that you know the the PyCon community is is one that can quickly organize to do nice things and and try to make a difference. It's pretty. Now, will you focus. be able to do that when this actually when we release this podcast a couple days from now? I'm sure you can, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the Red Cross yeah, I don't think is, uh, is going to shut the door. Not, not going away. We don't want your money anymore. Right. Uh, but I know that I know that there's some goals. Be I know that there was a, a buff. Uh, they have a goal of twenty five hundred dollars to come out of the conference by today. So uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're not uh, going to be part of that total. But I'm, I'm hoping that we uh, we reach the goal for sure. We're um, about halfway there. It seems like right now. Is it? Yeah. So. There's got to be a better way to, to get the total rather than watching the people that, that double post to Twitter the hashtag. I, I'm sure there's got to be more that people that just don't take the extra step. But uh, oh well. So. Um, with that, I guess I will bring up that um, I'm doing some interviews during the sprints. If you have a cool project that you would like to push or promote, um, find me. I'll be set up. I'll be talking with some guys from Pyramid, from SourceForge, um, Michael Ford from Canonical, um, and hopefully we'll get some other interesting uh, pro um, interviews and stuff up. So come by and find me. I've got cards on the table over here, and uh, we'll have some great material coming out of PyCon 2011. My first time, and man, it kicks ass. Yeah, it does. Woo! We have time for, we have time for the world. We wrapping up. Oh no, we, we, wrapping we, up? we got time for anything. Okay, man. cool. Uh, I've got a, an interview coming down. Uh, John DeRosa was that. So this is actually one of my favorite things about PyCon this year. Happened before PyCon is uh, this guy from Seattle decided that he was going to take the bus cross country. To oh, come I here. saw his and tweets. he and he tweeted the whole way, and it was brilliant and amazing and hilarious. And so I've been playing touch and go with him all week. You know, we we kept tweeting from the same. Uh, uh, tutorial sessions and talks that we were in. Finally, I met up with him for lunch the other day, and uh, so hopefully he's he's on his way down, so we can awesome. catch him in a little bit. Very very cool. Cool. All right, see you guys later. I'd like to thank the folks from the From Python Import Podcast podcast, and remind you that we have plenty of material coming out from PyCon. Rick's been busy doing a lot of interviews and such, so stick around at localcast.net. Thanks for listening.